As we begin 2023, here's a New Year's resolution that you can actually keep. Eat more chocolate. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function. So I searched high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. And I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Flava Naturals performance dark chocolate bars and cocoa powder deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. Now you can jumpstart your Flava Naturals 2023 resolution with 23% off site-wide exclusively for intelligent medicine listeners. Just use code HOFFMAN23 at checkout. Now through January 31st, just go to FlavaNaturals.com. That's FlavaNaturals.com and use code Hoffman23 for 23% off. Plus, get great recipes at FlavaNaturals.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today we're going to talk about all things skin because we've got an expert. He's just written uh, a wonderful book on that subject. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I have some trepidations about uh, our guests because I'm not sure that, well, you know, they're, they're you know, sometimes novice uh, communicators. Uh, you know, I never lost a guest, but uh, sometimes they're maybe a little less articulate. Uh, I can't think of a better person to interview on this subject than uh, Dr. Mark Tager, uh, who has written a book called Feed Your Skin Right. And in addition to the fact that uh, he's an expert on skin, uh, he's an expert on communication. He teaches health professionals <laughs> how to communicate. So we shouldn't have any trouble today. Uh, right, Mark? Uh, absolutely. And one of the great... Uh Interviews that I've ever done was when I had the opportunity to do a video interview of you. Uh, so that was, uh, that solidified our bond of, uh, around the power of words and phrases to transform lives. Okay. So, so, so we shouldn't bomb. Uh, this should be, this should be a real <laughs> opportunity to talk about uh, all things related to skin. Uh, the book is Feed Your Skin Right. And, uh, so, uh, you know, you have a very lengthy resume. Uh, you are uh, an MD. Uh, you actually have been involved as uh, a medical consultant or medical director for companies that uh, uh, are involved in cosmetic medical procedures, including uh, the Fractal Laser. Am I correct in what pronounce? Fraxel, Fraxel, Fraxel. There, yeah. yes. Which has gone on to mm -hmm. be like a really popular uh, uh, skin resurfacing. Uh, procedure. So uh, you know the ins and outs of this, both on the high-tech end, which we'll talk about, but also just from the, the fundamentals. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll start by saying that, you know, we spend an enormous amount in this country on cosmetic stuff, which, you know, creams and potions that we smear on skin. Uh, and sometimes the stuff is uh, ultra expensive with very exotic ingredients. Uh, but it's always been my feeling that um, uh, you Skin health comes from the inside out, that really it's a lot about uh, what we eat uh, and uh, our lifestyles. So let's just uh, start with that premise. 
What say you? <laughs> Quality food, well digested, digested, well absorbed, well transported through the 60,000 miles of blood vessels to the dermis, which is the second layer of the skin, whereby the all those nutrients make their way throughout the skin tissue. And those nutrients are responsible for the creation of collagen, the creation of elastin, the, the GAGs, the glycosaminoglycans, big word, but well, they are the little sponges that sit in the dermis, in the connective tissue, and absorb and hold water. So all of those are critical that we have great nutrition, we're able to break it down and absorb, absorb it. Uh, we get it into our circulation and we have adequate circulation to make it to uh, our skin. And on top of that, Ron, I think you and I both share something. I, I know that we could uh, kind of point to our, point out to our listeners. And that's the title of the book is Feed Your Skin Right, where the most important word is the word right. And there's, let's face it, there's no two people on the planet with the exact same skin. No two people who have the same combination of genetics and environment, medication history, uh, dietary patterns. So what we're beginning to learn is that these personalized nutrition assessments uh, can inform us to pick the nutrients and, and eat the kind of diet that's going to be best for our health and since the skin is the largest organ for our skin. You know, we sometimes talk about uh, an anti-inflammatory diet, and often we, you know, we associate inflammation with conditions like uh, rheumatoid arthritis uh, and uh, ulcerative, ulcerative colitis, all these itises. Uh, but uh, is it not applicable to the skin? Oh, it's very applicable to the skin. Now, when I was going through my training, and it's been quite a while, uh, the traditional word was that, oh, acne has nothing to do with what you eat. It doesn't matter what you eat. And yet there have been some really large analyses looking at diet and acne, and they find that three things, sugar, dairy, and fatty foods create and and make acne flare up in people. It's so, you know, like obviously- A pizza and a milkshake is not a, a good <laughs> recipe for uh, no. adolescent skin, but that's what no, they mostly th consume. Yeah, and if you throw in a little bit la of a lack of sleep, uh, raging hormones, and uh, the absence of enough zinc, you you get the perfect storm. And, you know, you also get that in the perimenopausal years as mm -hmm. well. You've got the hormonal- uh, component going on. And that is a time when the, when women need to spend a lot of attention on their diet uh, for many, many reasons. Now, uh, dermatologists spend a lot of time uh, maligning the sun. Is the sun an unadulterated evil? You know, should we be like uh, geishas in Japan and walk around, uh, you know, with a parasol and make sure that uh, no solar rays uh, touch our skin to cause uh, cross-linking of collagen and so on? Well, I'm going to have to agree with them that uh, excessive sun exposure to UVB and UVA rays uh, in increases the likelihood of cancer, certainly uh, skin burns, uh, photo aging. Now, on the other hand, when we slather every body part 
with SPF 50. Uh, we are contributing to a nutritional problem that you and I know all too well. And that's the 94% of Americans who don't meet the estimated average requirement for vitamin D. And that's so important for immune health, it's important for skin health. Um, so it, there's a balance there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an intelligent balance uh, of getting some sun exposure, but in truth, exposure to the sun UV radiation is the major contributor to um, skin damage, to burning, and certainly to skin cancer and those folks who are prone uh, to it. So it's a, I think of, you know, a few minutes a day to expose your, yourself to the sun is a great thing, uh, leaving some areas of your body uh, to get some sun. But I think most folks would do really well to protect their face and neck and chest because that's you certainly the, seem to be a practitioner of that because you live in Southern California in San Diego <laughs> and you, you still have great skin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, but uh, actually, and, and this may or may not have found its way into your book, but uh, a recent study came out uh, that suggests that in terms of melanoma, which we know is you know, related to sun exposure. Uh, it's actually been shown that people with low vitamin D have a higher propensity to mer- melanoma. So it's a bit of a paradox there. I mean, I guess the point is, you know, don't get all your vitamin D from from bathing in uh, skin damaging uh, solar rays, uh, but rather get some from your diet and certainly from vitamin D supplements because yeah. that could even help. You know, and, I, and here's one of the areas in which I'm a, a firm believer in supplementation. I uh, uh, of course, with the uh, fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K, you do have to worry a little bit about taking too much. You don't want to go crazy about that. But that's one of the areas also where we see these genetic variants. Yeah. Uh, so there are, for example, with vitamin D, mm-hmm. genetic variants in uh, in the metabolism and genetic variants in the transport. So there are people, <clears throat> because of their genetic variants, uh, they will will require more supplementation than other people. And I think that's where we're learning so much more about personalized nutrition. And we see this with vitamin C and the genetic variants that are involved in the transport of vitamin C. Uh, We see this also in some of the skin physiology. Uh, And another example is how uh, prone someone is to pigment or how prone they are to glycation, which is the um, the attachment of a sugar to a protein that changes its function, uh, and that happens in the skin. It's glycated collagen, mm-hmm. and that makes the collagen more brittle. So I, I think that just in the same way we've used health risk appraisals and we've used risk scoring devices to give uh, patients some guidance. I, I think these um, genetic variants can also provide some guidance, some motivation for health behavior change, but also for, you know, well, you've got intelligent medicine, I call it intelligent supplementation. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a role for people to supplement their diet. Most people have the SAD, the standard American diet, and it's low in fiber and it's low in essential vitamins and minerals. Um, so. I, I think standardization is important, uh, uh, and so excuse me, supplementation is important uh, for some people. And now it's interesting to me that sixty to eighty-two percent of people say they're they're taking a multiple vitamin, multiple mineral complex every day. I don't know that the compliance is probably that high, to be honest. And 
it does also leave open sometimes the need for additional supplementation for the skin. There are specific antioxidants, um, the zeaxanthin, lutein, the, all the carotenoids, astaxanthin. Some of these uh, are polypodium leucotomus. Now, the other interesting piece- Excuse me, these are actually have been yes. touted, and you have to be a little careful when you say this, because otherwise, you know, the FDA is going to say, hey, wait a minute, you can't claim a vitamin uh, is going to substitute for SPF uh, sunscreen. But these actually have been touted uh, sometimes as internal sunscreens, because they do actually uh, enter the, the, the skin layer, and they act uh, as pigments that are protective and antioxidants within the skin. And, and that confers some uh, degree of skin protection, especially this, the, what's it, lycopodium has been touted as a... Polypodium leucotomus. There was a good study, uh, polypodium leucotomus, Mark Berman did that study. Now, so what's interesting about that, you're right, what you cannot say... Mm-hmm. Is that it is the equivalent of an SPF three or five? Because yeah. SPF claims uh, is a drug claim, but what you, if you think about it? You know, the, the uh, <laughs> my dog's in the background. She's very happy that I'm home today. She loved the pandemic because she got to just lay around the house with me all day, and we created a fabulous garden together. And I go out to my garden and I see all these multicolored plants. And if you think about it, the role of those pigments is to protect the plant from harm from UVA and UVB radiations. So when we do consume these uh, plants, we avail ourselves of those pigments. Now, we also get the fiber that is the uh, great food for the bacteria in our gut that it's making the short-chain fatty acids. Now, we talk a lot about butyrate, and butyrate is the short-chain fatty acid made by bacteria that help to heal the lining of the gut. But there's two others, is propionate and acetate, again, short-chain fatty acids. And it's the acetate that makes it to the skin. Mm. And we've what we've seen is that people with acne uh, do not, have enough acetate in their skin. So there's a gut and there connection are, to acne? There, oh, yeah, yeah. There's a gut-brain-skin, gut-skin-brain, mm. skin-brain-gut connection, absolutely. And um, so I think that, that we're learning so much more about that and about these, these uh, bacteria. You know, what's interesting to me is that if you talk to someone and say, how much do you think your brain weighs? And they say, oh, if they get it right, they're going to say between two and a half and three pounds. If you then say, well, did you realize that the bacteria and viruses and fungi in your gut weigh the same amount? Mm-hmm. And they just kind of go, oh, my God. And because it's if you think of the, the microbiome as an organ, mm-hmm. then you have to begin to think, well, how do I care for that yep. organ? And this is where, you know, chemicals upset the balance. This is where artificial sugars upset the balance. This is where the sad diet uh, with all the sugar impair the balance. Can, can I circle back at one point, Mark? Because uh, you said something sure. intriguing before. Uh, you, you were talking about uh, glycated proteins. And I, I want uh, people to understand that there's a blood test which tells you how, mu- how many glycated proteins you have in your body. And it's a, it's a test that's run routinely to measure uh, blood sugar response. It's your hemoglobin A1C. And that is the 
protein that's accessible, that's in your blood, hemoglobin. It, you know, it's, it's everywhere in your bloodstream. And we see how much it is glycated with the hemoglobin A1C or glycosylated hemoglobin. And so that provides a direct connection to skin health, right? And, and it speaks to the impact of a high sugar or high refined carbohydrate diet uh, on, on your skin health. And isn't it true that, that diabetics, for example, are, are more prone to premature skin aging and wrinkling and, and poor wound healing? Uh, absolutely. And, and there are a lot of reasons for that. But, you know, when, when I work with practitioners, I, I like to think, but we all want to do the same thing. We think of wellness, well-being, optimal health as a big room. And we're trying to get patients into that room where we can provide the, the knowledge, the guidance, the support, the testing. And there are doors in this room. And the biggest door that you could drive a truck through is vanity and skin <laughs> health and skin beauty. Say that. And yeah. the same the same patient who yeah. you would say that's the Mrs. Jones, if yeah. you don't get this uh he, this glycosylated hemoglobin down, you know, you're gonna be prone to diabetes and heart disease. And then if you say, you know, if you don't get this glycosylation down, you're gonna continue to to wrinkle at a at a yeah. really faster rate. And all those little lines on your upper right. lip are gonna get worse and yeah. you're gonna get that crepey kind of crosshatch skin. <laughs> and I find it sometimes, you know, a a, a better motivator for some people. Yeah, and especially for, uh, for then, young people, like, you know, kids think they're immortal. You know, if you tell them, like, uh, you know, eat this way, you're going to get uh, heart disease, they're going to just blow you off. But if you tell them, hey, those zits on your forehead, you want to make them disappear, you know, get on a clean diet, they might pay attention. There you go. <clears throat> yeah, so we're we're in violent agreement about that and uh, violent agreement about the role of sugar and the excess of sugar in the in the American diet. And it's anti-inflammatory nature. Um, all of that that contributes to skin health and aging. Yeah, the other thing that I I like to think about uh, quite often is, you know, the circulation, uh, the sixty thousand miles of blood vessels, and and how so much of disease really begins with its nidus, its introduction at the endothelial layer. This is the small layer that of cells that line the blood vessels. We have endothelium that lines the gut as well. But, you know, when we are getting a lot of vasoconstriction, when we, uh, the, the arteries, you know, clam up, when we're not getting enough dilation and blood flow through these arteries, I, I think we, and we get inflammation in the linings, uh, then we start seeing disease, and that's disseminated disease throughout the body, of which mm -hmm. it's reflected in the skin. So I, I'm a pretty big fan of uh, nitric oxide. And as I literally, telepathically, I just wrote that term down. I was going to ask you about it. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there, there are two pathways whereby we uh, utilize, uh, uh, get nitric oxide. The first is vegetables. They have nitrates and those nitrates actually are converted into uh, ultimately nitric oxide, the active form. And that's done by the bacteria in our mouths. So there is some good data. Nathan Bryan talks a lot about this and has written this and published this, that if you are using oral mouthwash, you're killing off the good bacteria that's responsible for taking the nitrates 
and make them into nitric oxide. This would be these commercial antiseptic mouthwashes. Uh, you yes, know, some of the exactly. Things natural may uh, have a, yeah. Uh, yeah. a moderating effect on uh, mouth flora without killing everything in sight indiscriminately. Right, exactly. And then there's also another pathway in, in which we are have an enzyme, a NAS enzyme. It's a nitric oxide synthetase and and what happens is it has an ability to to take nitrites and convert them into nit nitric uh nitric oxide but the problem is like everything else in our bodies as we age we lose some of the ability of these enzymes to work well uh you know un unfortunately aging is a sort of downhill curve in which we lose mitochondrial function and we lose muscle mass and and we lose the uh, ability to convert uh uh, uh nitrate trites into nitric oxide and uh, hormones etc so what happens there is that this is another good reason for supplementation as well. And people will lose that ability as they age. So another good reason for supplementation of uh, nitric oxide, I think that can play a role. Particularly, you know, we will see people with it, with this yellow, sallow skin that has been thickened. And, and what we see are combinations of poor skin turnover, uh, lack of enough oxygen uh, and blood flow to the skin. And then we see problems with barrier function. So very often when you'll see this, you know, just as we have leaky gut and we have uh, uh, increased intestinal permeability in which uh, harmful things can leak from the, from the gut into the bloodstream, so too can we have leaky skin. And so things like ceramides, which are also present in foods, uh, rice, uh, peach, uh, host of other vegetables, uh, and um, vitamin D is important in that, vitamin K2 is important. So these are all important. Uh, and of course, the omega fatty acids, critical, the omega-3. Mm -hmm. And the problem people have is this ratio of too much omega-6 to omega threes, yep. so oils. Uh, refined oils, and, and and you know biochemically, as you know, what happens when that ratio is out of balance? It pushes the body to manufacture something called prostaglandins and leukotrienes, and these are inflammatory molecules. So it's really important that people begin to balance that, and that has an effect on the skin as well. It's also really critical for you know, cementing these cells together and getting a, a good, healthy skin barrier. Indeed. And, uh, you know, a, a simple way we talk about skin perfusion, blood flow, uh, is it not the case that, you know, on a very fundamental level, uh, exercise is part of a, a lifestyle program that can help with uh, skin preservation? Because when you exercise, you perfuse your skin. I mean, if you're sitting in a, you know, crouched position, uh, you know, looking at your electronic device all day, uh, you're not going to get a lot of uh, superficial skin perfusion. And, and, and that would be important. Exactly. And, you know, the at, at any given beat of your heart, five, six percent of the uh, blood flow is going through the skin. Now that goes at goes up to eight, nine percent in hot climates, you know, when you've got to actively sweat and you've got to thermoregulate. But it is this is the mechanism whereby we bring nutrients to the skin. 
And if we have adequate perfusion, adequate blood flow, uh, we've got nice open dilated vessels, a strong heartbeat, we've got a good ejection fraction, which is how much blood gets pushed out with each beat of the heart. Uh, we, we see that exercise has a really fundamental role here, as, as does sleep. Um, sleep is so critical um, for overall health, but also skin health as well. It, it, it's a time of repair and, and regeneration. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, deprivation of sleep, of course, is associated with a, a variety of uh, uh, dings on our various organ systems, in particular our skin. So, okay, great stuff. Uh, this is, you know, we're this, this first part, you know, we're talking a lot about lifestyle factors, diet. Uh, I, in part two, I want to get into uh, extraordinary uh, supplements uh, and some of the more, uh, you know, sci-fi advanced uh, techniques that are on the horizon, uh, some of which may actually be uh, available in specialized clinics uh, to restore uh, skin uh, vibrancy and Health. Our guest uh, is author of uh, a great uh, book, uh, and it's Feed Your Skin Right. Uh, it answers four questions on the mind of every consumer. What should I eat? What supplement should I take? What topicals should I apply? And finally, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this, what procedures should I have? The book is available from all the usual sources. Uh, it is about to be published. Am I Correct, Mark. But you no, it's been out now. It's it, it, it's been out uh, for, uh, um, this year, and uh, it's really available best on Amazon. Uh, and we've also we're putting together a, an online training course uh, based upon the book as well. So lots of great opportunities to learn and grow. I think a lot of folks have appreciated um, the four questions and the extensive references. But you know, as as do you, I try to take complicated concepts and make them easily digestible and actionable. So I take sort of it's my eleventh book, and I take great pride in this one because it's the it's the stitching together of of two fields that I see coming together very rapidly: the integrative functional worlds and the aesthetic worlds, and they come together in this overlap called integrative aesthetics. And it is, so when you go to your integrative practitioner, he or she should be looking at your skin and talking to you about it. When you go and have your facials and your chemical peels and uh, your procedures and your skin care, uh, I believe that, well, I, I take a very strong uh, point that if you're going to have a procedure and your practitioner an aesthetic uh, procedure and your practitioner doesn't put you on a, a nutritional program before and afterwards, um, uh, they, they are, will not get the best results, um, in that treatment, nor will you. So, so uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Okay. More from, uh, uh, medical doctor and, uh, master communicator, uh, Mark Tager. Uh, his book is feed your skin, right? I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We'll be right back. This is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.